Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Joe, I am assuming we are live. <laughs> What's up, everybody? November 28th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Joe, uh, my co-host, as always, Sean Rossap. Give us a follow online at Showdown Joe. Give Sean a follow at, at Sean Rossap. Give Fightful a follow at Fightful Online on various social media platforms. Tons to discuss today uh, on today's Holy Smokes podcast. Uh, obviously, a preview uh, of the monstrous show UFC 218 going down this Saturday. The show beforehand on Friday, the Tough 26 finale, uh, to see what's going to happen. We're going to crown a brand new uh, flyweight champion in the women's division. So uh, it's going to be pretty cool if you ask me. We'll take a look at Bellator 180, and we will be joined a little later uh, by Frank Trigg. Had a conversation with Frank about a variety uh, of things. want to get his thoughts, and there's some crazy news happening in the world of mixed martial arts. But before uh, we get things going, uh, I'm obviously uh, very upset with Sean Ross Sapp. I thought the headband era had returned. Clearly, it has not. No. No. I'm rocking it. I'm going full on, like, just letting it fall. Haven't watched there, it today either. Oh, my. There was a post recently on Instagram. I think it was your Instagram where it was just – I was like, what is this fool doing with this hair? But it actually looked pretty good. I'll see if I can find it's it beautiful. Uh, and mention it. It's but beautiful. it was like – just what is the end result of the locks? Tell us the end result of the locks before we get into some uh, UFC stuff. The end result of the locks is I want to grow it long enough to where I can donate it. But the thing is, I'd like to donate it more than once. And once you've started to grow it out, it becomes easier to donate. Because the thing is, you have to be able to pull up a ponytail. Then there has to be a length beyond that. Where I was before, there was no grabbing a ponytail, anything like that. It, like, it was... I wasn't even... I was at negative donation then, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but 
I've gotten through the worst of it now. Now I'm trying to do what I can to avoid having a mullet and just letting my hair fall where it can. When I work out, it looks like I've just got done playing hockey because every one of those hockey players has the curly hair that looks like they dipped dipped it in motor oil all day. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, can you please show the peeps your uh, your shirt there? That looks pretty good there, bud. It does look pretty good, and you all can get it at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. This is the long-sleeve version I am very thrilled with, and uh, we've got some more designs coming, slowly but surely, over there. Also, if they go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Ross Sapp, I am donating the profits of any shirts I sell there to local coat and toy drives in the Maysville, Kentucky area, so go check that out, guys. I have a couple of fun things up there. Hey, how do I get involved in this donating stuff to charity as well? Obviously, I don't have any locks to share, but I want to donate some stuff to charities. Can we get a shirt made for, for yours, Julie? Get you that. We're going to get you some Bosley or something to grow that hair back. No, no. I don't, I don't want to grow my hair. I'm content because generationally speaking, this type of look will never go out of style. So there's never a situation, oh, my God, look at your hair back then, Joe. I went through that phase. I had a mullet in my teens. I had the Patrick Swayze slick back hair ponytail look as well. I had the vanilla ice look. I had lines in my head. Uh, I had you name it. I had it. So at, once I started shaving my head, Sean and everyone, there's our, never a complaint about, hey, man, what's going on? A writer, Pat Fannin, says my hair puts Sean's the shame. You shut your mouth. How dare you, first off? <laughs> You're you're a miniature Roy Nelson. Little Country is your name now. Little you know what? Country. Big Country isn't going to be his nickname. Third World Country is what handsome Pat Fannin's hair reminds me of. Third Guys, World forget. Country, Pat Fannin. That's his nickname. And what Sean is referring, referring to, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget uh, – Live chat, top right of your screen if you're on the actual YouTube channel. I do encourage you, if you can take one moment and just let people know that we are live right now on your various social medias, tell them to come and join us. Share the link. If you click the share button, it'll give you a link that you could use. Share it out there. Get some people on there. Tell them to come join us here uh, on the live chat and in the discussion because there's a whole bunch of things uh, to discuss here, specifically the two epic events. Uh, I would say both are epic. One is epic for sure. Uh, the second one, I am looking forward to it now, Sean, because I spent my morning watching the first seven episodes uh, of this year's Ultimate Fighter. I watched every single fight. I don't know why the other episodes aren't up there. Uh, and I don't have time to search online to find uh, episodes eight up until we are recent. Uh, have you seen the episodes uh, thus far? I've not. I'm binge watching them this week, but we have one finalist already confirmed, and we've got a a, final, a semifinal matchup. Who do you think's moving on there? I don't know who's in either one. I haven't. I've tried Ooh. to keep these spoilers away from Ooh. myself, but obviously, for the purposes of this show here, we should discuss uh, who's in who's the one person in the final. Can I take a wild guess? Yes. Barb Honchak. Wrong. Oh no. She got beat by Nico Montano, and we have oh, wow. on the on the other end of the brackets. We have Sajara Eubanks and Roxanne Modafferi. So, oh, and you had mentioned Roxanne a very long time ago saying, hey, this is this is the one. She looks fantastic since leaving the UFC, and now that she's been doing fantastic in Invicta, here she is one fight away from the finale. Yeah, and you, you we very well could have a 14 and 12 seed in these finals if Sajara Three Eubanks points. picks up that win, which was taped months ago. I think, and maybe they got screwed over a little bit by the World Series and having to work around that, but two days to promote a title fight? 
that's that's a little much. Why not just double up the episodes? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's just kind of weird. I think they're not promoting it properly um, or efficiently. I'm also – yeah. I'm kind of confused that Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje are on Saturday's card uh, and not on the, the finale, the main event at least for this year. Uh, I mean, your thoughts on that matchmaking, putting them one day over? That's, I mean, you got to load up the pay-per-view, so I, I get it. Anybody who's tuning in to Friday's show, I don't think that, that adding Alvarez and Gaethje would add that much. I mean, you got a title fight on there anyway. The people who've been following Tough are going to tune into this. There are some okay fights. Joe Soto and Brett Johns. That's a hell of a fight. Uh, Sean O'Malley making his yep. debut. Well, we spoke to him at Fightful.com against Terry and Ware, who we also spoke to at Fightful.com. Also, uh, Joe Soto, who I mentioned, we talked to him too. Head over to our exclusive section at FightfulMMA.com for that. I'm a little more confused that one is in the Park Theater in Paradise, Nevada, and the other one is in Detroit, where our own... James Lynch will be headed for, for this week, covering a bunch of that. And in my head, I guess I hadn't really put two and two together. Like, oh, they're in different towns. Because I was thinking, man, if my week's slammed, his is going to be even more slammed because he's got two events to cover. Not not the case. And they are adding the remainder of the women to this show. So we won't know matchups until, like, tomorrow night. Like, David Tease, my man David, he's going to be busy with these article titles or, or publishing all these articles uh, Wednesday night, because you know they're going to announce like, at like eight fights, right? Right as soon as the show ends. Yeah, uh, and, and watching the show, just a weird, stupid fact. Showdown Joe just being an absolute idiot once again. Uh, in watching the show, I didn't know much of many of the competitors, so I thought, you know what, I, I should do my research and, and actually watch the first show and get to know some of the storylines. There is one fighter who is a spitting image of one of my ex-girlfriends in my youth. Literally the same age of when I dated this girl back in the day. And I was like, oh my God, like flashback, like Back to the Future, whatever you want to call that that movie. I was like, uh, awkward, but uh, she, she advanced uh, and then she got knocked out. I'm just looking at the actual results here. So, but I was like, whoa, this is kind of creepy, but cool at the same time. So looking forward to when they can announce who's going to be on the card. I'm looking at the actual poster uh, for the finale, and you see all the girls there around the belt. Don't know that all of them are going to be competing on the card. It'd be kind of cool if they did, but I don't think they can fill up that card. That would be an overfilled card, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, not all of them, but the majority of them will be, because you've only got like four fights announced, but that's, there's a lot of stuff this weekend. I mean, a lot of stuff. Even outside of MMA, you got the EBI on Sunday, UFC 218 Saturday, tough finale Friday, Bellator 189 on Friday, too. I may have listed it as Bellator. Yeah, I saw one, that. Yeah, maybe I, I put it as Bellator 190 in the title. But um, that's big, too, because you got Julia, Blood, Julia Budd against Arlene Blencrow. But, I mean, I don't. I think they. Didn't they just fight? It's a rematch. I know that. Uh, I know David Rickles is about to set a record for the most fights ever in Bellator, and yeah. Sam Cecilia is competing on the undercard. Yeah, uh, so Arlene and Julia fought last October, and it was a majority decision. But like in, in, in that, when, when we talked to Julia at Fightful about that, she was like, well, no, she earned her, her way back. She fought twice in Australia, once in Bellator, worked her way back. And that, that's saying something. I mean, Bellator let her go after just going two and two. They make weird decisions like that, too, because she had strictly been there 
in Bellator for a couple of years, then lost to Bud and lost to Marlos Kunin, like, God, unforgiving Bellator. Like, the two girls. <laughs> like, you're going to cut her after those? Really? I mean, she had a win sandwiched in between there, too, against Gabby Holloway. But she, she came back and she won. She beat uh, Sinead Kavanaugh in August, and she's back in the saddle. I just I, – I wonder. Julia Budd has been looking really good. But Arlene got a lot of cage experience in there since that last fight that ended in a majority decision. Well, since that – yeah, exactly. I mean when you, you take a look at, like you mentioned, who she competed against. Like, settle down. It's, it's all good. Uh, but at the same time – the three boats that she did have, two were outside of Bellator, uh, and then the return against Kavanaugh uh, in August. So that, that I guess, kind of earned her that title shot. But she's been in there with some tough ladies. She's 10 and 6 right now, but she's been in there with some tough ladies. Yeah, she has, and I think that goes a long way. You never know when somebody will just flip that switch and become that 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 excellent fighter. But, I mean, she's 34, so I think that – I think she's more or less a finished product at this point. After fighting for, I mean, she's fought for, I think, five or six years in boxing. And then, because she's competed in boxing in addition to MMA, but she hasn't boxed in a couple of years. So it seems like she has dedicated more of her attention to MMA, which she should. She's much better at MMA than she is at boxing. So that's one that, that people should keep their eye on. Chris Honeycutt's on the show as well. He's one that I always like to to pay attention to. Uh, one loss in, I think, 12 fights so far. And he's facing Rafael Lovato Jr., a Cincinnati native, undefeated, beat Biggie Rhodes, beat Cortez Coleman, uh, won the Legacy FC Middleweight Championship. That's that's a decent supporting fight for this, but I mean nothing there's nothing on this show that really grabs you and screams, watch me, other than that that title fight. You have Chidi Injikwani, who's finally debuting at middleweight after repeatedly missing weight like I mean over and over and over again missing weight and when I talked to him before his last fight I don't want to say he got pissy but he he seemed off put that I even would at like how dare you ask me about my my weight cut <laughs> he didn't say that but I mean that's the vibe I got and I'm like dude you've missed weight a ton and he's fighting uh Hisaki Kato which is another good fight the unfortunate thing is though Joe nobody knows who these guys are you have Lovato, Honeycutt, Injikawani, Kato. Uh, nobody knows who they are. More people know who Dave Rickles and Sam Cecilia are than than those people. And you got Alexis Dufresne on the on the prelims as well. That's going to be an important fight. Uh, she's facing a girl who's two and one. So there are some interesting fights on this show, but man, it, there's just not a lot. Like I said, screaming, watch me. Uh, I'm not of uh, a, a terrible viewer or not a, a frequent viewer of Spike. Uh, I'm not sure if you are uh, or anyone in the chat right now, but have you guys seen some like crazy promotion for this show at all? Obviously with a, a featherweight title fight headlining it. They seem more worried about rebranding into Paramount right now. I'm hoping that we start getting more stuff like that. Like produce some sort of some sort of like like viral thing like we saw on the wrestling side we've seen some great viral videos that make make us care about fans but damn man like they they don't do anything they don't do anything to make me care about these people like beyond oh here's a here's a title okay that's that's great but make me care about the people a little bit more why why do they do that Sean why do they do that to us when we're like you know 
You I know connect. it's our gig. You got to connect with with the audience, with the people. That's why, like anything, like us on podcasts and stuff like that. You were on James Lynch's show that got let, helped people know you on a more personal level. Uh, we've done that. We've had members only shows where we've had our writers on there and stuff. I want people. If if we are on a show like this, we're journalists, but we also have to be entertaining. If we're not entertaining, then people aren't going to keep watching. And sometimes you have to be able to connect with the people who entertain, the people who write, and stuff like that. The same goes for fighting. You have to be able to connect to these people. That's why pro wrestling, you know, it's not it's not a wrestling it's not a wrestling show. It's a show about a wrestling show type of thing. And you don't have to go that far, but. These videos that are made, like these embedded videos, it goes a long way. It, it helps. Yeah, I love embedded. Embedded is, is by far my favorite uh, product from the UFC, hands down. Uh, and now that a friend of mine works for – is one of the videographers for embedded, it's even better. Sorry. Um, guys, don't forget every, live chat. Every single time we post them almost immediately. Great stuff on those. Yeah, I just love the editing. I love the way they the the frames per second that they shoot in. Uh, he actually gave me some tips on how to film some of the stuff for one of my companies that I actually mentioned uh, with James Lynch uh, on the MMA Insider podcast. Uh, way too difficult to do, Sean. Oh hell no. Um, but other than that, uh, I just need a quick prediction from you. Featherweight title, Julia Budd, and still Arlene Blenkow and new. Yeah, I think Julia Budd takes this, and they they gotta they gotta move on somewhere else. I know Talita Noguera. Refused to fight. Yeah, what's uh, up with that? Well, you you look at Talita Noguera's career in Bellator, and it's like at this point, I don't know why. One, I don't know why Bellator offered her the fight. She got signed in August 2014, Joe. Mm-hmm. She's fought one time. Yeah, one time. She was six and zero before that. She has been training MMA for for damn near a decade. She mm-hmm. had fought in Bellator. She was supposed to fight Bud in February 2015. Noguera pulled out due to a knee injury. Uh, Gabrielle Holloway uh, replaced her. She was supposed to fight Marlouz Kunin at, uh, in November of last year at Bellator 163. Talita made, or missed weight. Then uh, she finally got in the cage, beat Amanda Bell. Amanda Bell, and to her credit, Amanda Bell loves to play the spoiler and has throughout her career. Like derailed Jessamyn Duke when she was a highly touted amateur, beat Marina Shafir uh, earlier in her career, too. Like, she, she's used to that role. But for a 6-0 and woman who's been training forever, I don't know if that's the fight you give her. But either way, she won. And then she turns down this fight. So, okay, 2015, you, you screw up a fight. 2016, you screw up a fight. 2017, you turn down a fight. She's almost like Bellator's featherweight uh, Brian Caraway, in my opinion, who pulled out of another fight, by the way. Yes, we know. Yeah, that's just I, – I, I don't know. Uh, someone had mentioned uh, on the live chat, what's up with fighters? Oh, it's Kyler. Kyler James, what's up with fighters getting mad at Sean for stating facts, LOL? I could imagine if you could interview Brian Caraway, uh, you'd probably upset him too. I mean, I'm not going to try to set somebody off on purpose, but I mean, th- those are the things they want to know. I mean, when I asked for questions about Chidi Njikawani, everybody said, is he going to make weight? Will he make weight? Will he make weight? Will he make weight? And not a lot of people had confidence in it, and I certainly didn't. So, I mean, why wouldn't I ask him about that? And Brian Carraway, why wouldn't I ask him about all the times he's pulled out of fights? It's, it's just, well, I wouldn't be doing my job otherwise. 
Very true. Very true. I will say this. Have you ever spoken or met Brian Carraway? Because I can attest that he's actually a really cool dude, like a really nice uh, – he's got wit. He's got sense of humor. But you know the, the persona that he has uh, via the majority of the public image that is that is – Consumed for him isn't exactly positive, which is yeah, a lot I'm, for I'm sure a lot of he's a guys. Nice guy. I assume all these people are nice guys, but to be honest with you, most of the time I'm not talking to them because they're nice. I don't care yep. if they're nice or or assholes or, or whatever they are. I mean, I don't want to be their friends. There, that's the thing, and that's that's what a lot of people, unfortunately, in this line of work, get caught up in is they want to be friends with these people so bad. Like maybe that's why they got into this, and I, I don't care. I've got friends. I have friends here. I have friends that watch our show. I have friends that tweet me every day. I have friends that read our stories. I don't need to make friends with these people. I don't give a damn. I get, I get that all the time from my own personal friends. Like, how do you deal with this guy or that girl? He's such a douche or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's my job, man. It's like, don't take things personal. I have questions yeah. to ask. I want a story. I want to further a potential other story. And if there's something controversial, I'm going to bring it up in a manner that's hopefully not going to rock the boat per se. But it's up to the subject to determine whether they get pissed off or not. I'm not there to piss you off. I'm there to just to talk about the story because people want to know. Because yeah. if I don't ask you, the next person in line will. Because if I'm at a UFC event or a Bellator event or whatever, you know Kevin Ioli, Ariel Hawani, John Morgan, Mike Bond, uh, you know James Lynch. Somebody's going to be after me that's going to ask the question that I should have oh, yeah. asked. So I need to ask that question. And if it upsets them… What can I do? I kind of make it fun and, and wholehearted. How you know? I I, I like it's just my nature. But some people like it, some people don't. I tell my friends all the time. It's just a matter of doing my job. That's it. Where do you want to go? Speaking Sorry. of Bellator and and asking questions that need to be asked, what's going to happen with Conor McGregor? That's something that you asked to Frank Trigg, who you know is an experienced official. You talked to him a little bit about that and uh, what he would do in this this Conor McGregor Bellator referee situation. As always, a pleasure to be joined by Frank Trigg. Frank, I haven't talked to you in a while. I have no idea where you are. All I see is a white background. Where are you? Yeah, I'm actually at uh, at my place in L.A. right now. I have to shoot a, a, a reshoot on a movie tomorrow called um, Game Over Man. Uh, I think the star is either Adam Levine, Adam Devine, the comedy guy, the short, dark-haired comedy guy. Uh, they have to do a water scene, so I'm going to be thrown in the water a couple times tomorrow down in uh, L.A. Harbor. Interesting. Well, I, I was kind of thinking, is Frank in Shanghai? Was he in Shanghai? Because I know you did a no. trip to Asia recently, but the UFC did have their event there. It went off pretty good, with the exception of, of when we were doing the post-show. I said, i got to talk to Frank about this. There was a fight between Wang Guan and Alice Caceres that I had scored at min minimum 30-27. Could have been 30-26 for Wang Guan, especially considering the first round. Caceres was dropped, and the referee had to lift him up and get him to the corner, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, it was judged a split decision, 29-28, 29-28, 28-29 for Wang Guan. And I was like, I don't know what happened here. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw it, but what are your thoughts? So first I want to say I'm not real sure. I have to double-check with John. Um, he, he, was, he was overseas. Uh, him and, him and uh, um, Elaine were on a vacation of sorts, as he, and then – they went through Europe for a little bit, and then and then he had wrapped an event, uh, ACB or ABC or something over there. And then uh, so he's on his way back. But I got to double check with him. It is my understanding, and I could be wrong, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is if you have to help a fighter in between rounds as a referee to help him off the floor 
and to get him to his corner, then if he can't get up on his own, he can't fight. So the fight should be done anyway. Um, so that, what to me, was odd, that, that the referee would actually help him get up and make him move. You don't – you make the move by kind of like, hey, your corner's over there. Like, go this way, you know, kind of thing. But you don't, like, pick them up and carry them across. Like, you don't do that because he's got to be able to continue on his own. If he can't continue on his own power, then the fight can't, be, the fight can't continue. So obviously that first round was a 10-8. I mean, that, that's an obvious 10-8. Um, the other two rounds, Caceres lost both those other two rounds decisively. I mean, they weren't 10-8s. They were 10-9s for sure, but it, they weren't close. I, I, the one judge that had to go the other way. So this happens a little bit more often, and it's actually happened to me, And I, but I switched it before I turned it in. You're going red-blue. You're, you're getting all these names thrown at you. You're not familiar with everyone's name. You're not familiar with everybody's style. You're just looking at red glove, blue glove. You're looking at the tape on the wrists. And at the end of it, you got to put your score in, and sometimes you reverse the score, you reverse it. Like you've been doing it the wrong way. So you're like, oh, last round I gave this guy a ten, and this guy a nine. So that same guy won again. So he gets ten nine, and oh, okay, he won again. It's ten nine. Okay, so this, this guy wins, but for the very first round, you flipped it, and so you're not you're not paying attention. So sometimes that happens. Um, I actually got you know I actually had to carry my card over. Usually someone comes picks up the cards and takes them to the head table. I actually carry my my over and go look. I screwed up. I put them in the wrong order. They're flipped. Like it's it's the other guy won. He goes, okay, good, because now it's a unanimous decision. Otherwise, it would have been a split. So that's one thing that could have happened. That judge could have flipped it. The other thing that could that we could honestly uh, uh, look at from looking at the scorecards and watching the fight and, and folks at home, we think we know what's going on. I think I know what's happening when I'm at home, but I'm drinking and I'm not paying attention and all those other things. The judge's assumption is that judge is right there, ringside, looking, paying attention. So if they didn't flip the score, and we all saw the fight kind of the same way, um, uh, 30-27, 30-26, like that's what we all saw it kind of that same way, even though we're at home, um, that judge could just suck. It, it is possible that judge is just bad. Uh, I, don't, I, I hope that's not true because they, they did a UFC fight. Like You don't want a bad judge at a UFC fight. You don't want them being on one of the spaces where, where these are people that, that you know, this is the highest end. This is the biggest organization in the world, and somehow a bad judge slips through. So you're hoping – that's not the case, but it is possible. The judge could just be bad, and and th- there are bad reps, bad judges, bad fighters, bad promoters. It's just part of the world. It's just what happens. If this one's not through, the USC is going to have to question their their hiring practices for for who they're bringing in for judging wise next time they go back to China. The third thing that could that could have happened is that judge could know exactly what's going on, and their view shows that Alex wins these these particular fights because you can only judge what you see. I can't see on the other side. If, if, they're, if your back is to me the entire time and you're throwing a bunch of punches, but I don't see them land, I can't score them. I can only go off of what I see. So that view from where they were sitting K-side, that could have been what, what they see. So we're at home. We have the best view. The camera, the director, the Craig changes it, man. He gets to the best view. So we have the best, the, the best feed at home. We have the best feed on the Jumbotron when we're in the arena looking up and we can't see what's going on in the cage. We look up. Oh, that's the best feed. We see the exact best actions. We see everything. The judges don't have that. They can't keep moving around the cage. They're stuck in one spot. So any one of those things could happen. Um, unfortunately, I want to lean towards they switched it so that judge is, is not at fault. But uh, it could be the judge is just bad. <laughs> it, just, it just is what it is. So I feel bad for them, but uh, uh, it's going to be it's good to be questioned. Like we, we have to understand that when you're in there and you're doing these fights, you have to understand that there are things that uh, you're going to get called to task for, so you better make sure you're doing it right. You know, And if you're not, you're going to get called out for it. For it. My apologies, guys. That was the uh, Alex Caceres Wang Wang clip. But uh, 
We can talk about that a little bit too, because we do have the the Frank Trigg talking about Conor McGregor situation up later, and we have some more stuff to talk about in regards to McGregor. That that fight the other day, that was I'm, I'm just like I don't know how anybody could see it that way. Like you can say that some fighting is subjective, some like maybe somebody out somebody weighs leg kicks a little more or. A successful takedown a little bit more. Uh, to a very limited degree, it's to be subjective. I don't know how you could do that for a living. Not, not for a living, because few of these judges make their full-time living doing that. But do that and have feel any sense of accomplishment or fulfillment by making that call, knowing how bad it is. I, I Sometimes, okay, I know what you just said there, knowing how bad it is. I get the sense that sometimes in speaking to some of these parties that they don't know what they're looking at. Like the bottom line is this: even if I, I've spoken to mixed martial arts fans that you know I've been watching UFC since day one, November 1993. I've seen every UFC fight, Bellator and Pride and blah, blah, blah. And okay, and they couldn't judge a fight if their life depended on it. They yeah. have no idea what they're looking at. They don't understand the unified rules of MMA and don't understand that once the round comes to an end. Everything is wiped clean. You now start from scratch in round two. Once that round comes to an end, you now start from scratch for round three, on and on if it's a championship fight. So every round is judged individually. So it doesn't matter what happened in round one. It's not a pride fight. It's not a fight in Japan where they judge the whole fight, which would be much cooler because you could see basically you know, damage and whatnot. But every single round is judged independently. Now, when you take a look at each individual round in that fight, or any fight in general, Sean, is if you if you want to just strip it down to layman's terms, who did what to try and end the fight? Who did what to try and finish the fight? Okay? Then you've got to strip it down a little bit lower in terms of effective striking, grappling, cage control, blah, 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 blah. But in the essence is... Who did what to try and end the fight from going to the end of the bell or from, from hearing the sound of the bell in round, rounds one, two, and three? So if someone has a submission uh, for four minutes and four and a half minutes and the other party is defending nonstop, then the party get – then they separate and the party stand up and then some punches are thrown. But one happens to land. They don't win that round unless that punch basically looks like that party was about to go out cold. It's whoever did the most to try and end the fight. And in that fight there – Wang Guan in all three rounds did much more, uh, the appearance of much more to try and end that fight and did enough damage to look like he was going to end the fight in all three rounds. What Caceres did in return, I, I didn't see it. I, hey, I'm with you. You aren't going to get an argument. You're not going to get a devil's advocate. You're not going to get a, well, for the sake of argument out of me, that was bad. That was just so bad. That judge should be embarrassed by, of themselves. MMADecisions.com is a great resource for seeing how media score and how fans score. 100% of media had uh, Alex Caceres losing that fight. 100% of fans thought that uh, Alex Caceres did not win that fight. 100%. Very rarely will you see any fight where not even a, a lonely little troll comes along. And just scores it for Caceres. It didn't happen. I'm sure somebody will now, but man, that's rough. But we can wipe out China. We can just wipe off that card, just say goodbye, because we have UFC 218 to talk about. 
Yes. What a card. I mean, you take a look. I'll, I'll say, kid, before we go through the card and, and give our thoughts on the variety of boats here, because it is stacked to say the least, I need to ask you a question and everybody in the live chat to give me a thumb, or to say yay, nay, thumbs up, thumbs down. Are you feeling this rematch between Max Holloway and Jose Aldo Jr.? Because I am not. Nope. I'm not either. I'm not either. And, you know, the unfortunate thing was you have a bunch of guys that Holloway's kind of already been through outside of Edgar. You've got Aldo, you've got Lamas, you've got Cub Swanson. You have three guys right there that you can't – I mean, you can. You He did. But, damn, he fought and beat Jose Aldo in June. Now, maybe Jose Aldo's got something for, for Holloway. Maybe that gave him some look that we, we haven't seen. But, I mean, he beat Jose Aldo down in Jose Aldo's backyard. So I, I don't know how it gets any better over the, the last couple of months. But that's what we got. Do you, do you think that Aldo maybe switches his looks up? Do you think he makes any adjustments? Well, he has no choice. Yeah. Because well, actually he was winning rounds – I think he won rounds one and two, if I'm not mistaken. And then it just – everything deflated. The air in the tires you know, started deflating and then – Holloway just was like, I just took everything you had. Now you're going to take what I'm going to have and game over. Yeah, like, unfortunately, so. unfortunately for Aldo, what Holloway had <laughs> put him on his ass with with much with much quicker uh, with much quicker results than what Aldo threw at him. And that that's a lot of times been the case with Aldo is that he kind of burns out towards the end. If he loses, do you think that he makes a move to 155? I'm not buying the retirement stuff. He'll say it. But yeah, he'll say I'm, it. Not, I'm not buying it because he, he he does this shit all the time. Oh, I'm going to retire. I'm going to go play soccer. I'm going to uh, box. I'm going to I'm just going to play words with friends all day. Like that's that's what I'm going to do with my life. I, I'm going to buy a pinball machine and get really competitive at that. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to fight anymore. That's Jose Aldo. But um, by the way, I have a WWE reference that you're going to enjoy later. But like I think I don't think you can fight at 145 if if you lose here. Now you can hope that maybe Frankie Edgar beats Holloway later on. Then maybe you get a rematch at, at Edgar. But I don't think anybody wants to see Edgar versus Aldo anymore either. Not necessarily. No. Uh, I mean, this fight for me, this main event is is Holloway Edgar. Unfortunately, didn't happen. Worst luck ever uh, for Frankie Edgar, but, uh, I, I don't, I'm not feeling this main event here, but to answer your question about should Aldo lose, perhaps make that decision to move up to 155 pounds. I think that would be viable only because dude, you're not going to win that title at 145. There's no point even in competing in that division. Try your hand at 155. You never know. You'll, you'll instantly be regarded as someone that everyone in that division will want to pay attention to and be kind of cognizant of. You may not have the same cachet or respect that you had before when you were widely considered one of the best pound for pound in the sport, but you're still dangerous. Yeah. And you've got 10 more pounds on you. You're going to have a speed advantage over everyone. You can then start looking at being, you know, the, the problem with Aldo is that he just, he hasn't been that aggressive as he was in the past. Um, he was, he was predominantly an aggressive fighter in the WEC. Then when he became the UFC champion, kind of scaled back and would show spurts of aggression and then counterfight, spurts of aggression and then counterfight, and then began to slow down as he got a little bit older in the later rounds. It's always been the knock on him. But at 155, 
It's a division of killers. I still think he's got it in him to be a killer. It's just a matter of let's see what happens on Saturday. But if he gets soundly defeated by Max Holloway, I don't see that conversation of retirement talk uh, letting go. Like, I mean, if Aldo does pull it off, then we know they're running it back for a third time. You have to with that proximity. And and man, that's that's not a good move, I don't think. Uh, what would you have said to me if I told you a couple of years ago that post-USADA Alistair Overeem would be arguably better than pre-USADA Overeem? Not just in the UFC, but like, period. He's great. He's been great lately. Outside of the fight to Steep, with Stipe Miocic, he's laid down Stefan Struve, Roy Nelson, Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky, Mark Hunt, and Fabricio Verdum. That is such a run. Like, before we get into this... Where does Alistair Overeem land on your greatest heavyweights of all time list? I'm going to wait and see a little bit to see what it all, how it all pans out because the asterisk is always going to be oh, next yeah. to his name with the horse meat. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, if, if even if he would have won that UFC heavyweight title with the double chances that he had, I don't know that I'd still consider him one of the greatest um, Let, let's, I mean, take a, let's take a listen at his, his heavyweight resume. This is above yeah. 205. Vitor Belfort at 210 pounds. Sergey Karatanov, which is such an underrated win. Mark Hunt. Gary Goodridge. Of course, that's the biggest win of all. Fujita. Brett Rogers, back when beating Brett Rogers was something. Todd Duffy, who was an excellent prospect, but not ready for him. But then that's this is where it picks up. You got Verdum, Lesnar, Mir, Struve, Nelson, Dos Santos, Arlovsky, Hunt again, Verdum again. Man, that's that's a hell of a run. That is one hell of a run. And if he could add Steve Miocic to that and Francis Ngannou to that, that that's that's making a case. I don't know if it's put. I think he's in the conversation. I don't think he's up at number one, number two, number three, but he he wedges himself in there, and. For a guy who lost a title fight last year, no, normally I'm like, nope, don't don't give it back to him. But at heavyweight, I, I'm a little more forgiving of that, Joe. Things are a little more unpredictable at heavyweight. And I think Francis Ngannou should have the title shot anyway. I think it should be him. Now, should beating Arlovsky and Hamilton get anybody that title shot? Hell no, it shouldn't. But beating Alistair Overeem sure as hell should. Yeah, and Overeem's the, uh, before we go on to that, uh, Jose Aldo's a pretty big underdog, plus 255. I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime, but uh, Max Holloway's a minus 310 favorite. In terms of the co-main event, uh, Alistair Overeem's the underdog, plus 205. A lot of hype around Francis Nagano at a minus 245 favorite. Um, people are believing in this guy, or, and they're putting their money on it. Uh, or at the very least, the, the bookies are like, nah, this is probably what's going to happen. Let's see what the public thinks in terms of uh, where they're going to put their money. So, And it's dropping still. So we'll see what happens as we get closer to the fight. But at minus 245, it's dropping. Yeah, I think Alistair Overeem is is too technical of a striker to be able, and has so much power, to put him anywhere below a plus 200. Like I would, I would feel much more comfortable at like a plus... 150 like because it's the heavyweight division too man that is it's tough to predict it's really tough to predict the thing is you know what Nganu is going to do you know what kind of fight he's going to bring you it he's never been past the second round ever ever he's had 
like, I think the the one decision that he had was only a two round fight. For the love of God, like back in France. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Like four, four or five years ago. So you know what kind of, of game plan that Francis Ngannou brings. You know he can get a little bit done on the ground. But this is, this is probably the fight I'm most excited for this weekend. And that's saying a lot because fight number like third from the top, fourth from the top, fifth from the top on this show are all bangers. They're all great. Uh, <laughs> okay. I am looking forward to this co-main event, but before these two tangle, the two fights before them are going to be oh yeah, lit, sick. Like, come on, lit, man. Lit like burning your feet from uh, a building that caught on fire. Lit like Henry Cejudo did, and then still decided he was going to fight. He has never looked better than this past year. This was another situation, Joe. I have brought it up repeatedly how Mighty Mouse embarrassed Henry Cejudo. And Henry Cejudo could have just rolled over and played the gatekeeper for the rest of his career, but he wasn't interested in doing that. He looks like the best option to fight Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Dare I say better than TJ Dillashaw, because I don't know if TJ Dillashaw can make that weight, and that, that's why I say that. Henry Cejudo looked awesome in his last fight. Oh, yeah, against Wilson Hayes, that was ridiculous. Yeah, he looked awesome against Joseph Benavidez, which I somehow correctly predicted that fight, even though that he he should have won that fight. Sergio Pettis is a guy who, even in his two losses in the UFC to Alex Caceres and Ryan Benoit, or Benoit, however the hell you Canadians say it. Well, we say it Benoit, but we're told it's Benoit. So. That's stupid. That's stupid. It's Benoit. He looked good <laughs> in both of those fights, too, at, at stages of that. Sergio Pettis is another guy, like in Ghana, you could have given him that title fight, but he would have deserved it, because he beat Chris Carriasso, John Moraga, and Brandon Moreno in his stretch. So this, the winner of this, I'm cool. If it's Hudo, okay, you can give him another fight afterwards. If it's Pettis, you better give him that damn title fight. He, the, the irony is, like, what good is the Pettis name if you can't capitalize off of it? Well, the reality is this. If he's got the Pettis name, you should have just given him the title fight after after <laughs> Matt Hobar. For the love of God. But no, you're but, gonna make him win seven of eight and then give him the title fight? What what good is this? Come on. You got the name well, for a reason. He's a plus two fifteen underdog is Pettis, and Cejudo is a minus two fifty five favorite, and I can Damn. tell you this. I already know what your reaction is going to be, my reaction, everybody on this live chat and everybody uh, that is tuning in later on. If Sergio Pettis emerges victorious and we know it's not controversial, it's a legit victory 
over Cejudo. If you know mixed martial arts and you know what Cejudo brings to this fight here, you know that Pettis deserves that title shot. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's almost expected, especially with these odds, that Cejudo is going to do what he has to do to dismantle Sergio, uh, put another win on his on his record, and get a deserving rematch with Demetrius Johnson. Pettis wins. We're going to be Pettis, like, Ooh. do you think Pettis throws kicks in this fight? Eventually, yeah. I think it's yeah, a bad not, idea. It's a bad idea, but it's it's a strong part of his game, and that's something he should not uh, try and take advantage of. Just because someone's a fantastic wrestler, Olympic caliber gold medalist, or whatever, you can time a kick and not get taken down. It's not just that. It's not just that. Like, I get the feeling that Cejudo has such good hands and such good power yeah. these days. He can catch those kicks. What he wants to do after that, Pettis isn't going to know. You. Maybe Cejudo wants to crack him in the face instead. And if he did, I would think, you know what, that's a solid option too. I could I could absolutely see Sergio Pettis throwing a lazy kick, getting caught, and getting scooped up, or just getting cracked with, with an overhand right or, or a hook or something like that, and Cejudo taking advantage. The one thing I like about Cejudo, by the way, and it's every time we get to watch anybody whose initial background in, in martial arts is the ground game, whether it's a wrestler, a judoka, or a jiu-jitsu player, um, those that come into a, come into mixed martial arts and are hella not afraid to stand and bang, and they showcase that aggressiveness when they basically start throwing bombs without fear whatsoever of being taken down to the ground, uh, unless you're Demetrius Johnson against Henry Cejudo, I like Cejudo with the abandon that he has. He's like, screw this. I'm going to throw whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, because you're not taking me down to the ground. And if you think you can take me down to the ground, I'm going to stuff 99% of what you bring. And I love seeing that in, in a fighter who's predominantly a, uh, who, who started off as a wrestler, came into mixed martial arts, uh, that, that no-fear attitude of throwing anything and everything in the stand-up because it doesn't matter. You know, I like jiu-jitsu players do the same thing. They say, what do you do, take me down on the ground? Okay. Look at Jacare. What do you do, take me down on the ground? Okay. Right? So I, I love fighters like that. And then, you know, it's the ones that are afraid to throw because uh, they're afraid to get hit. doesn't look like by any stretch of the imagination that Zahudo gives a damn about getting hit in the face. Well, I look at it and, and I'm like, man, Bruce Leroy took him down. Meza took him down. Hobart took him down. Benoit. Uh, Kalades, Moreno, Moraga, all those guys took Sergio Pettis down. All of them. Brandon Moreno did four times last August. Ooh. That, that's, that's the thing that I'm... Like, if Brandon Moreno... No no offense to Brandon Moreno, he's a great fighter. But if he's taking you down, Henry is probably taking you down. And that that's a bit of a shame to me. Because I want to see some more of that Henry Cejudo stand-up these days. Because, oh damn, did it look good. Good stuff. Winner deserves a title shot, but I can see them passing over Cejudo if he wins because he lost uh, a title fight already. But Is that because Dillashaw is in the, in, like, just on the outskirts there? Yep. And, and Yeah, okay. That's, that's the I reason. I figured that. Okay. Uh, I guess the fight that I'm looking forward to the most, if you, I mean, oh if you're looking forward to uh, Nganu Overeem, that the fight that I'm looking forward to the most, um, with a certain uh, my scope, my Dustin Poirier scope, is paying very close attention to the fight between Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje. This is going to be I, the show that, that UFC is like, hey, Christmas night, 
we're showing this. We're showing this yeah. card. Remember how last year they did the show? Was it in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. And Everyone Holloway won the interim title. And, yeah. and it became one of the greatest shows of all time. And they aired it on Fox and it did awesome numbers like a few weeks later. And Dana White was like, yeah, we're making this a tradition. That used to be a thing with pro wrestling, especially, Joe, on Thanksgiving, Christmas, stuff like that. People would be like, oh, well, the family's all here. Let's either go watch some wrestling or let's tune into some wrestling on pay-per-view or TV. I think it's very smart of UFC to do that because a lot of people, they they think of it and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be so busy on Christmas. And then the evening comes of Christmas and maybe they've got everything behind them. They've got a little more time than they thought. This show, Aldo Holloway... Nganu Overeem, uh, Pettis, Cejudo, Alvarez Gaethje, even the women's fight at the beginning, Torres Watterson. Uh, how about Oliveira Felder earlier? How about uh, Alex Oliveira Yancey even earlier than that? What about Courtney Casey, Felice Herrig? That's one hell of a fight. Oh, who's Angela Magana going to get hit by? It ain't just going to be Amanda Cooper. Somebody else is going to hit her that night. There's going to be a lot. I'm super excited. Dominic Reyes is on this show. But I'm done being giddy. Let's talk more about Alvarez Gaethje. Um, who just mentioned it out there? Uh, Vinny Fernando in the live chat called it the people's main event. Le Comité called it for the violence title. Yeah. This fight. Okay. I don't know if you guys can see it. Those are goosebumps on top of goosebumps. They need to get the UFC title and like bash it up with a hammer and put tape on it like the old WWF hardcore <laughs> title. And just give it to these guys. We'll call it. Yes. The, we'll call it the Dan Quinn rules. For those of you who remember, Dan Quinn yeah. used to cut these video promos, and he's like, "Kimbo Slice, you want to fight me? No kicks, no takedowns. That's the rules. That's the rules. You just slug it out. Winner gets that championship. You defend it all around the globe. I love it. I absolutely. I think it's it. a fantastic idea. I mean, this this fight is going to be. Oh, man, this is the fight. This is the one where don't even bother messaging me, Sean. Don't even bother contacting me. You could put a curly mustache on it, too, and call it the gentleman's rules, the gentleman's agreement championship, something like that. Like, God, I can't wait for this fight. Like, how do we break this down? Alvarez is going to go in there. He's going to swing wildly. He's going to throw a bunch of stuff. He's going to hope that Alvarez does not have his gas tank. Alvarez is going to think that he's going to be technical at first, and he's going to get pulled in. I can't wait. I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm just. This is just. In looking at how both of these two gentlemen compete, nothing good comes for the brain for these two guys. Like it's just. Gaethje's missing a few screws. By the way, a fantastic coach. I absolutely love how he's been coaching in the seven episodes. Thought, of the man, who would have thought? Yeah, you know, you you take a look at this guy and you think this guy's punch drunk. He's a dummy. Oh hell no. This guy knows what he's doing. And Eddie Alvarez, kudos to him as well. Uh, these two know exactly what needs to be done to make sure that these ladies are prepped uh, for the ultimate fighter. And you just imagine the people that surround them in their own gym. But when they step into the cage and their their hands are wrapped, and that glove is signed uh, by the commission that you are, you've been inspected and you're good to go, bite down in that mouthpiece. Uh, I mean, is this thing really going to go 15 minutes? I hope. <laughs> it's terrible when you think about it. You know, Eddie Alvarez is a guy who doesn't get a lot of that greatest, like, the top five lightweight of all time talk either. But, man, this is a guy who loves to derail hype trains. If you look back, remember Toby Amada? Yeah. That one, 
that that train just off the tracks, off the tracks because of uh, Eddie Alvarez never recovered. Uh, what about Pat Curran early on in his career when he defended the lightweight championship? Roger Huerta thought he could step over into Bellator after UFC. Nope, he got wrecked. Uh, Aoki, when he stepped over into Bellator. Nope, see you, buddy. Michael Chandler got that big win over Eddie Alvarez. Then Eddie Alvarez avenged it and hit the bricks. Rafael Dos Anjos looked like he was going to be a great champion. Nope, nope. Last year during Fightful Launch Week, just brutalized, brutalized. Unfortunately for him, he did not derail the Conor McGregor hype train. And that's that's the unfortunate situation here. Gaethje wins. He is on the fast track for a championship fight because Conor McGregor has spoken the man's name. Conor McGregor yes. knows who he is. Conor McGregor is watching this guy. So I would put him in a like and you you could have several contenders emerging over the next month. You've got Gaethje, you've got Barboza Nurmagomedov if Nurmagomedov can make that weight. You have Tony Ferguson. Nate Diaz is always around, but if Justin Gaethje wins this fight, and somehow, like I don't, I'm not putting it past Edson Barboza to win that fight. You want to talk about a co-main event, Barboza Gaethje down the line? Ooh boy, that's a hell of a fight. If Eddie Alvarez wins, what do you do with him? I don't know. Like you can say he hasn't won his last two fights uh, against Poirier and McGregor, but you know that was that that last fight will forever live in infamy and with question marks around it, but. You got to put him in there against a top ten guy, but it can't be like a Michael Chiesa, can it? Mike Kevin Lee seems like he's done with the division. I'd say go back to Poirier. Oh, you got to do it. If Eddie Alvarez wins this fight, it's part. It's Dustin Poirier. No ifs, ands, or buts in my opinion. Like I mean, I don't care how he defeats Justin Gaethje. It is Dustin Poirier. No ifs, ands, or buts in my opinion. Now, it's a good fight. Uh, let, let, let's. That's a good point. S- That's a good point. He he yeah. doesn't have to win or lose or anything to get that that Poirier fight back. Like people yeah. people will buy that. People will like that. Um, Fightful MMA Fightful dot com is a a crossover site, ladies and gentlemen. We will always somehow segue to some sort of boxing or professional wrestling. Uh, Zach McDonald on the live chat says Gaethje versus Alvarez reminds him of Harley Race versus Dusty Rhodes. I will throw up. <laughs> Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Roddy Roddy Piper. I've got here, here's the pro wrestling thing I wanted to mention to you. I didn't want to do it in the middle of the preview, but I'll forget. Kurt Angle is the general manager of Monday Night Raw, and he had an illegitimate son who showed up on the show. <laughs> it was Jason Jordan, who who is a half black, like decorated amateur wrestler, and he has been Kurt Angle's son. A few weeks ago, he got his knee hurt, and he's been pulling out of matches in the middle of them because his knee is hurt, and he got thrown over the top rope by Kane and hurt his knee, and he went in there, and he said, guys, I'm sorry. Like, I came to fight, but my knee got hurt, and, like, I'm not 100% even though I said I was, and all this stuff, and he's a baby face, but he's slowly going to heal. He is Tito Ortiz. Oh, okay. That's who he is. If he loses, he can go in there and said, I had Ebola and AIDS and prostate cancer and I broke my neck and I was almost paralyzed and the doctors told me not to fight, but I did it anyway and that's why I lost. I think that's going to work out very well for him. Keep your eye on that, guys. Keep your eye on that. Uh, we got plenty more for UFC 218 for people to keep their eyes on.
No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You gotta give, you gotta give us our, or you, you gotta give the Sean Ross Sap opinion. We saw what uh, Zach mentioned: Harley Race versus Dustin Rhodes. I say Greg the Hammer Valentine dog collar match with Roddy Piper. That was quite the feud. That was quite the dog fight. I need your comparison as to what Gaethje and Alvarez is in your mind in professional wrestling. Oh, this is New Jack versus Vic Grimes, where New Jack threw <laughs> Vic Grimes off of a forty-foot scaffold into a bunch of tables into the ring. That's what this is. Gotcha, gotcha. There is no Sorry. art to this. This is violence. This is just—it's not right, though, Sean Ross Sapp. You and I should not be condoning this type of behavior. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's just... I love it. Uh, uh, I, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Give me those clickety clacks. Don't even look at my social media. Well, actually, I'll probably be losing my marbles. I'll have my laptop open with this one on here and just losing my marbles. The odds. What are the odds of this fight not being exciting? <sighs> about one percent. I would. I would put not an exciting fight between these two at about a plus twelve fifty. <laughs> I'm serious. Yes. All right, cool. Okay, uh, as you were saying, much more on this card that we can enjoy. Oh, yeah, Michelle Watterson versus Tisha Torres. This is a good one. Very excited about this. Um, so I don't know about putting Tisha Torres in there against a woman who has lost two of her last four, but it's going to make for, I think, a decent technical fight. I don't know if we'll get like some big, exciting barn burner, but... Michelle Watterson, like, un- a little underrated, seems to bring that out. Like, she's had one decision since, or one or, yeah, one decision, I think in the last decade, maybe? That's a little underrated. Now, here's the test. Tisha Torres had only decisions, including the Ultimate Fighter, until her last fight against Juliana yeah. Lima. But if Michelle Watterson, uh, Picks up a win. That's a big one for her. If Torres wins, that's a big one for her. But here's the thing. Rose beat them both. Rose beat them both. So Tisha Torres and Michelle Watterson were probably two of the only women in that division thinking, let's go Ioana. Like for so so many people, like we talk about it in the flyweight division, they probably want Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson to lose. A lot of those women strawweights probably wanted Ioana to lose. Not these two. Rose beat them both. Beat Torres in 2016. Beat uh, Watterson earlier this year. I, I'm I'm leaning towards Torres. I think she's the more complete fighter. But uh, hell of a fight here. Absolutely. I, I'm leaning towards Torres uh, as well. I'm just going to take a look at the odds here real quick. <clears throat> Excuse me. Minus 200 favorite for Tisha Torres. Michelle Watterson, an underdog at plus 170. Um, we talked about violence between Gaethje uh, and uh, and Alvarez, uh, there will be violence uh, probably emanating from Paul Felder uh, as a minus 155 favorite over Charles Oliveira, who, uh, although he's a plus 115 underdog, that's almost a pick'em, almost a pick'em. But you take a look at Charles Oliveira, Sean, I don't know what to think of this guy because the minute I think he's out, he ends up winning. But that last victory was against Will Brooks. Now, do we take a look at that and say, well... It was Will Brooks who lost recently now to Nick Lentz. And Will Brooks' tenure with the UFC has not been overly fantastic. Do we believe in Charles Oliveira or do we not believe in Charles Oliveira? I believe in Charles Oliveira. He's been on a very – he's been on a hot streak lately. He's had two great performances. 
you just got to wonder what what it does to a fighter when they expand out, and he's had a lot of extra duties with UFC between announcing and hosting and things like that. But here's the real question, Joe. On this show, the them Oliveira boys are fighting. Alex and Charles, probably in no way related. In a tag team MMA fight, who wins? Charles and Alex Oliveira or Patricio and Patricky Pitbull? It headlines at whatever Bellator show it's on, but... Who wins? Because you got to remember, Alex is a little bit bigger. I, li- I like that. I like that thought. I really, really do. I'm going to go with, dare I say, the Pipple brothers. Really? I'm going all of Air brothers all the way, even though they're not really brothers. <laughs> and you know how <laughs> Demolition had their third man and the Legion yeah. of Doom had their third man with draws. I'm sure there's another Oliveira and another... Uh, Pitbull brother we can throw in there but I think I think Felder takes this but if he makes any mistakes like he slips on a kick sorry you're done like if he pulls the old shamrock and slips and falls on his ass he's done also I think Alex Oliveira beats Yancey Medeiros uh, mm-hmm. even though Medeiros he's won three of his last four I don't know how they haven't marketed him for training with the Diaz brothers and things like that but but they haven't also uh, on this show, Drakkar Close, David Teamer, going with Close, although I'll do respect to you, Drakkar. Man, you were a terrible interview for Fightful.com. It, oh, is, it was so abrupt. You all have to watch it. Like J- James Lynch was squeezing blood from a stone. Like you could just see him stabbing the stone. Hey, man, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. And Drakkar's like, yeah, man. Yeah. Got to work on that. Machine. So for those that don't know, if you follow me on social media at Showdown Joe, I was the MC uh, for a boxing event here uh, last Saturday or last Friday at the Gentleman's Expo. Uh, it's a group that I'm now affiliated with. It's a charitable cause. It's called the Fight to End Cancer. And they put on boxing events uh, with fighters, obviously, that have stories uh, you know, with people in their life uh, affected by cancer. Um, a lot of them are, are they're, they're, they're amateurs getting ready to go to the Olympics. And I was told explicitly, look, man, these guys are – and girls cannot wait to be interviewed by you because they know now it's the real thing as they prep for their boxing careers and what it's going to be like to be doing interviews and media and blah, blah. For many of them, it's the first time. i got to tell you, man, John, there were some interviews I was like, please answer more than three words. Next question. Oh, my God. Third question. Please answer with more than five words. And this interview is done. Ladies and gentlemen, your winner. I was like, oh, my God, what just happened here? So I got you with the Drew Close situation. Somebody says as bad as Hager. Jake Hager was a great interview. That was Jack Swagger. We got more of that coming on the Fightful List and Your Boy podcast, of course. Felice Herrig, Courtney Casey. Felice Herrig, you know, I always thought she got a bad rap. I always think Paige Van Zandt gets a bad rap. Sure, they advanced their careers because of their looks, but man, Felice Herrig's a good fighter, and she took that. This time is going to be a great fight. That, oh, anyone yeah. that thinks otherwise is a dummy. This should be Cor- a great fight, man. Courtney Casey won three of her last four. Has beaten Jessica Aguilar so early in her career to have been fighting like Joanne Calderwood, Claudia Gedalia, Jessica Aguilar. That that's something, man. And uh, Felice Herrig's won four of her last five. It looked great. Made a woman shit her pants, for the love of God. <laughs> Made Justin Keish just drop a duty all in those drawers. Oh. Reebok, what are you doing about that one, Playboys? 
I do not like the way you do business. Get these people some dark clothing. Man. Why do I do this? This is insane. <laughs> Sean Ross Sapp is a legend. Go on. Yes. So uh, <laughs> that fight I'm looking forward to. I think Herrig takes oh. it. I really do. Um, we have Jeremy Kimball and Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes is one to watch out for in that light heavyweight division. 7-0. and He got that like 30-second win over Christensen in June, which we, which we talked about and we loved. But uh, Kimball is coming off of a quick win of his own against Josh Stansberry, and that was a performance of the night bonus, both of them. So I think it was smart of the UFC to take a look at these two guys that had quick finishes, two performance of the night bonuses, put them together. Very smart. And Amanda Cooper versus Angela Magana. So this fight, this... this <laughs> Go on. Angela oh, Magana has lost four fights in a row. Two two fights in her own in the UFC. She lost her one fight on the Ultimate Fighter. She has not won an MMA fight in six years, Joe. In six years. And that wasn't even in the UFC. No. It was in CITR, the new generation. It might not have even happened. I don't know. <laughs> Amanda Cooper does have a win in the UFC, but she is two and three career. Huh. Huh. Okay, now I get it. She went through the Ultimate Fighter. She won a couple fights there. That's fine. I get it. She made it to the finals. I get it. That's okay. This is as low level of a UFC fight as you will see for a little while. Well, wait. We just came back from China. It is the lowest level fight you will see in the UFC since last Saturday. If Angela McGannon wins, does she call out Cyborg? <laughs> She has to. It'd be absolutely epic. Because if those that don't know the story would be like, what? Then as soon as they research it, they would absolutely be like, what? Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's got to happen. That question got me sick. I almost want her to win just to see if she'll do it. Well, guys, uh, we asked you, do you want us to do a post-show after both or one? We are doing one post-show after UFC 218. James Lynch is there. He's going to be submitting content all week. I'll be glued to my seat after tonight, after I get back from SmackDown, giving you all the latest and all that. We have full weigh-in videos. We're going to have articles all week. Fightful.com is the place to keep it locked. Fightful MMA is the place to keep it locked as well. we got forums over there. Lots of exclusives for you guys. Lots of stuff you all can see by registering, checking out the forums. I've got a lot of hidden stuff there too. But Joe, before we go... Also, live coverage and discussion. Come talk about the show with us on Fightful.com. I really want you all to do that. I want to get more interaction on the uh, UFC nights. Come and enjoy the fights with us. These these Conor McGregor rumors that I've been working hard to find out if they're true or not, walk us through that a little bit. I don't know if it's actually true per se, but when something like this absolutely blows up the way it did – um, for those that don't know, there, there's a story that emanated recently about an Irish star uh, getting into an altercation at an Irish pub with some people on the opposite side of the good side of the law. 
apparently uh, this party, and we're, we're talking about Conor McGregor, we just don't know that it's him, but apparently there was a situation where it was like this star said that's enough and popped some guy uh, who's got a connection to the criminal word or criminal world. Uh, so if there's if you think Conor McGregor's in trouble now, He'd be in a lot more trouble if this was actually him. So there's nothing that's been confirmed as of yet. There's nothing that any charges that have been laid. Uh, but all signs seem to be pointing with these reports that it could have. Well, it's likely, or sorry, allegedly, Conor McGregor in an altercation at an Irish pub. Don't know if it was self-defense. Don't know if he was out of control. Don't know if it's even him. But apparently, an Irish star sucker punched. Someone uh, in the criminal world or crime world, and ooh, ooh. Conor McGregor doesn't give a shit that they're gonna kill Conor McGregor, one of the most famous athletes in the world. Good luck, buddy. It's ain't Dino Bravo smuggling cigarettes from Canada. This is Conor McGregor. People still watch him. He just sold like four or five million pay-per-views. I don't think he's gonna be harmed at all. I think. To put you to put it in perspective, I think he'll be in more trouble with athletic commissions than he will be with the criminal underworld, and that ain't anything. He ain't gonna be in any trouble. But you spoke to Frank Trigg about that. What I teased earlier, but I queued up the wrong clip. Here's our boy Frank Trigg, and we will release this full. Uh, you actually talked to him for about twenty twenty five minutes, Joe. Uh, I'll get a little more information on that after this clip, but that will be released on Fightful dot com this week. Here you go, Frank Trigg, frankly speaking. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you on record regarding Conor McGregor, Mark Goddard, that whole situation that happened uh, overseas in Ireland. Uh, and, I, and I thought to myself, well, what if Frank was the ref? Because I'm looking at Mark Goddard. I, I don't know if you had a chance to speak with Mark Goddard yet, but uh, Mark Goddard is handling it, 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 it as professionally as a human being can possibly handle it. But uh, again, you are a man. You are a human being. And it doesn't matter who you are. If you get pushed... There's a natural reaction. There's a fight or flight. Okay, you're not going to go into the turtle position. It's fight or flight. Uh, so Goddard kept himself quite professional. But then I thought to myself, well, what if there, that was Trigg? I don't know if Trigg would be able to handle himself in that manner. Would Trigg have done something? So I, I know it's it's just it's a big what if. But what if that was you in there, and yet a fighter that was down like that, and Conor McGregor uh, it jumps the cage and starts celebrating with 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 war? Like I mean, it's it was it was crazy. I've uh, I was working an event. Um, maybe two months ago, and Jason Herzog was the lead referee. So he's, he's the head guy, most experienced ref of the group. Um, two fighters were getting out of control. They weren't stopped. They were going a little bit longer on the stops. They were getting super aggressive. They were pushing each other off on the breaks. Like it was getting really bad going in the third round. Um, and then it happens again. I warned them between first and second. I warned them between second and third. And they did it again right in the beginning of the third. Like they got after again. So I had to, I had to like put my hand on, you know, these are two heavyweights. You know, they're like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I'm obviously shorter stature compared to those guys. I'm 5'10". So I had to push the one guy back um, on his chest, and I shove him back, and my hand slides up, you know, by his throat. Uh, and I'm like, look, you got to stop. I'm taking, you know, you got to cut this out. I'm going to disqualify you, and you are winning this fight right now. You're going to lose this belt if you continue this. Um, so I get reprimanded afterwards because the visual aspect is me. My hand slides up to his throat. looks like I'm trying to choke him. When I'm just trying to push him, he's sweaty, and I'm so short, I got to – my hand slides up. So I get reprimanded for, for, for being too aggressive and having a bad optics, right? So there is no way that I would have been as calm as Goddard in that same position. No way. 
you know, because now my whole mindset, when I was watching it happen live, um, I was like, Goddard now is being pushed over the knocked out fighter he's trying to check on before the doctors can get in and counter pushes him over this fighter. So now I'm trying to help the fighter I'm supposed to be in there for because the referee is there for fighter safety. Now this fighter is unconscious. We have to take care of him until the doctors can get into the cage to give him his, his analysis to find out is he, is he concussed? Is he an orbital bone broken? Is a jaw broken? Like whatever the case may be. And I get pushed over the top of this guy. Now I got to save him. You got to turn and take care of that problem. Like now I have a problem. I can't protect this fighter because of this, this other guy. So let's imagine that it's uh, uh, Paul Harris and Jake Shields. And he's got the Kimura on and he's, or the knee bar on and he's just, and he just keeps cranking it, cranking it, cranking it. And I, you know, I wave it off with the fight off, but he go, goes another 12 inches after I've already stopped it. We, at that point, we tell you in the, in the pre-fight, you, when we say stop, stop, if you don't, you're not going to like the way we're going to stop it. You know, you, you are not because now we're talking about fighter safety again. So now it's like hand on the face, you know, you, you poke a guy in the throat, you got to get the arm back around, you know, to get the knee bent again so it's not broken. So we have to sometimes, guys, you know, it's heat of the moment. Guys are guys are, are, are happy about to get the submission. You've got to go to a position where you're like, okay, i got to stop this. i got to get this stopped and save this guy from getting hurt any worse. But I also can't do any damage to the guy beneath me. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm turning around, and it's a guy that's not supposed to be in the cage, that's not supposed to be fighting, that's not anywhere around, he's not supposed to be here at all. The cage door's not open. How he got in, I don't know. Whatever happened, it's, he's not the doc. He's not the other fighter, and now he's pushing me over. What do I do? Mark is is that's the way I hope I would handle it. Is the way Mark did. That, that's what I would hope would happen. Is the way Mark did it. But I can honestly tell you that I immediately would be worrying about this fighter. I'd have to take a, a an aggressive stance over the top of him and keep separation. Um, Connor didn't attack anymore. He like pushed and then like pointed and gruffed and got you know grabbed by security or whatever. So he got pulled away. But you absolutely have to watch what's going to happen and, and how things are going to go down because it could be a situation where that fighter gets hurt worse. Because now there's a melee. Now we're fighting on top of him. You have to be real cautious. Goddard is a true gentleman. Um, um, we disagree on a lot of things, but what he did there was absolutely above above our. Like you, you couldn't ask for a better way. And thankfully, it was him in there doing it, and not some minor, not not you know a, a newer ref that wouldn't know how to do it. Because Mark handled it great. I mean, he handled it perfectly in my mind. You know, it you, was, think it was, it still book, uh, you think they're going to throw the book at Connor, or is it just because it's Connor he's going to get a slap on the wrist? It's tough, man, because the, the, you know, ultimately the commissions are in are around to make money. I mean, ultimately the, the commissions are supposed to make money. That's what they're supposed to do. Conor McGregor is a money maker. So, say they pull him out. The, you know, they came out and said they pulled him out of the the December thirtieth fight in Las Vegas. It's not true. He wasn't on that card. It wasn't happening. You know, it's just that that rumor came out and, and John Cavanaugh came out right away. He's like, "Oh, we, you can't pull us off a card. We're not even on. Like, we're not doing it." So. Um, that but him not fighting. Let's just say, for example, he was on that card and he got pulled. It's a lot of money coming in because McGregor demands a lot of money. That's a lot more pay per view. It's a lot more seats, a lot more beer sales, a lot more pizza sales, a lot more, a lot more popcorn sold in the arena. It, it's it's a big a big amount of money when Conor fights. Say now he goes to California. Let's say he fights in in February in California. You know now he gets pulled off that card. Well now California's losing money. So the commissions are all about trying to make as much money as possible. You know it, it's what they have to do. They're they're government entities. Unfortunately. With someone as big named as Connor, you ha- it can only go one of two ways. It's going to be a slap on the wrist, or you can have to legitimately throw the book at him and make a point and go like, "Look, no one's above this whole mess." Um, uh, uh, the head commissioner that was for Bellator that night, um, uh, Mazzuli, Mazzuli. So Mazzuli has a problem because Connor's not licensed by him. 
or license or, or there's no licensing with him. So he's not corner licensed, he's not fighter licensed. So he can't do anything. He has to, he has to go to the UFC to do something. And then the other commissions have to follow. So it's not even going to be the commissions that are doing it. It's going to have to be like the UFC. And then everyone else is just going to follow suit and go, okay, yeah, he's suspended for nine months, 10 months, like whatever the suspension is or whatever the fine is or whatever it is, you know, um, my feeling, you know, getting off the fence, my feeling is it's going to be a slap on the wrist because he's such a huge star and there's no way around it. He is a huge star. We will have that full interview up on Fightful.com this week. What else did you all talk about outside of the the uh, UFC China situation and Conor McGregor? Fight fixing uh, in MMA. Uh, that was a good one. Yeah, fight fixing that, that took place, or in UFC actually, uh, over in South Korea. Got his thoughts on that and, and what potentially went wrong there, what could have happened. Uh, also his thoughts on Michael Bisping. Should Michael Bisping retire? Is that it? Uh, for Michael Bisping, uh, Frank gave his thoughts on that. And, of course, uh, having competed against George St. Pierre, what did he think of George St. Pierre's performance and what should George do next? And, you know, what, what, what does Frank predict uh, George will, will will do next with his career? So uh, it was a really good conversation. And, again, uh, I know that, that we're supposed to have technically five to ten minutes uh, with a guest. There's no five to ten minutes of Frank Trigg. Oh, hell yeah. no. He's, he's great. He's Oh, he's fantastic. Somehow a UFC Hall of Famer, but criminally underrated in so many different things that he does. He was, and he's so far ahead of the curve in dipping his toes and everything, which I appreciate. Before Amazing. we go, guys, head over to Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com. We have MMA pros picks, courtesy of James Lynch, where you see a lot of fighters talking about who will win this weekend's fight between Alvarez Gaethje, Holloway Aldo, and Ngannou Overeem. One of the things that Jason Knight said was, quote, since USADA, he's not the same not the same Jose that he used to be. All the Brazilians that were so badass before USADA came in, they can't take HGH anymore. They're not what they used to be. Not taking away from Jose. What do you think of that? It's sometimes you hear speculation. Sometimes you hear hearsay. Sometimes you hear someone's opinion. And it's difficult to argue uh, unless there's you can prove it. There's no real discussion. But... You take a look around at some of these fighters yeah. pre-USADA and look at them now. It is it is worth noting. I mean, Jose Aldo's fought for 13 years. 13 yes. years. And, and there's MMA mileage. Yep. He's he's 31 years old. A new 31, turned 31 in September, but th- that's a lot. Guys, I will be at SmackDown Live tonight. Anna and Jeff will take care of the post-SmackDown podcast. But I am back tomorrow afternoon with the list and your boy at 3 p.m. Eastern. Back UFC 217 or 218 post-show. We'll be uh, covering all kinds of MMA this weekend. We have plenty of features, plenty of exclusives, lots of neat stuff for you over at Fightful.com. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. Get our great Fightful shirts. Oh, my God, they're so pretty. Matt Riddle wears them. I mean, you know, he just doesn't throw trash on his body. He wears them. So go over there, check that out. Follow us at Fightful Online. Follow Joe at Showdown Joe and myself at Sean Ross Sapp. I want to thank you guys so much. I didn't get to tell some of you who uh, celebrated Thanksgiving on Saturday. Uh, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, gear up for a wild holiday season at Fightful.com. Until next time, guys, we are out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.